0: This is episode 35 of Ripe Good Scholar, Leontes Paranoia.
1: It is kind of interesting that he puts so much more stock into the Oracle's opinion than everyone
0: else. Thinking back to kind of the purpose of the Oracle of Delphi in mythology, like, eh, I'd probably trust her too. I mean,
1: yes, I would too.
0: <laughs> Although she was very rudely that forward. Usually predictions are a little more riddly.
2: This is Sarah Clark with the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to Ripe Good Scholar. Welcome to Ripe Good Scholar with Sarah Plaskett. Sarah believes that in order to fully understand the relevance of Shakespeare's works in the 21st century, you must examine the history those plays have traveled through since Shakespeare wrote them. Ripe Good Scholar is the show that dives into the archives, theaters, and museums to explore the historical evolution of Shakespeare's plays. Join us in examining when and why they were written in the first place, as well as how they have been utilised around the world since then, so that you can see for yourself how the plays continue to be as relevant today as they were in the 16th century. And now, here's Sara.
0: Hello, and welcome to Ripe Good Scholar. Leontes, in The Winter's Tale, is not the most sympathetic character. He tries to assassinate his best friend, abandons his baby in the woods, and puts his wife on trial as an adulteress, all based on the delusion that his wife is cheating on him. He will not listen to reason until an oracle tells him he's wrong. He's a hard character to empathize with, but what if we could get into his head a bit? Today, Dr. Lisa Grogan and I will be looking at delusions, how they arise, and what can be done about them. Join us as we poke around in Leontes' mind. For this episode, we listen to the Archangel recording of The Winter's Tale. If you want to check out that recording, a summary of The Winter's Tale, and so much more, head over to ripegoodscholar.com slash EP35. Now, let's head to Sicily. For this episode, I wanted to talk about Leontes in The Winter's Tale. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a lesser known play, but the whole first half, first two acts, I should say. Are a tragedy. Yes. It ends. The the whole play ends as a comedy. But the first part's rather dark. Lots of death. You know.
1: As Shakespeare does.
0: When I saw the production for the first time, what really struck me was he, like, immediately snaps into this, like, delusional paranoia that his wife is cheating on him with his best friend. Mm-hmm. Will not let it go until, like, everybody dead. And then an oracle is like, you're wrong, though. And then he just snaps back out of it. He's like, oh, my bad. My B, though. My B. I'm sorry. For me, I was like... This is interesting. I want to know kind of what would make a person sink that deeply into it, and then how it differs from what we would might like actually see in someone who believes this falsehood. What we're talking about is
1: delusions, which are you know thoughts that are not based in reality. Mm-hmm. And as with anything with human behavior, like at the extremes, we can differentiate it. As I sit here and I look at your wall that's cream color, and I you know if I say that wall's red, obviously that that's not something that's based in reality and we can clearly differentiate that but in the middle it gets a little more wishy-washy so if i would say your wall is light yellow maybe i could get away with that so trying to differentiate what is a delusion can get a little wishy-washy sometimes as far as what causes it we don't we don't always know the more extreme Situations do tend to respond a little bit better towards, you know, medication and things like that, it tends to be tied to hallucinations. But one of the more frustrating things with working with it is I can't medicate a delusion. I mean, I don't prescribe medications, but I can't medicate a delusion because it's a belief. We have seen, you know, actually I did work with a client at one point who had a persistent delusional belief that her husband was cheating on her.
0: How applicable.
1: Yes. So delusions tend to either be bizarre or non-bizarre. So bizarre delusions are ones that are very, very clearly not based in reality. These are more of the thoughts that I have a tracking chip in my brain so that I can hear the microwaves from the aliens type things. What what we think of when we think of delusional thought processes. So non-bizarre delusions are things that could be true. Mm-hmm. Your spouse could be cheating on you. I don't know. Those tend to be harder to catch, especially because they don't tend to be quite as flamboyant, obviously, as, you know, Leontes
0: is being like,
1: okay, well, I have to poison
0: him and she needs to go on trial. My Someone write wife. the oracle.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. My my wife said hi to my friend, so obviously everybody has to die. But it does make it, it makes it harder to catch. It makes it, you know, harder to, to disprove. And that's part of the thing is that we're all guilty of confirmation bias. When we believe something, we tend to look for and pick out the evidence that confirms it. And it's really difficult to argue against that.
0: One thing that struck me with this, which obviously we're talking about a play here, Things are going to be shortened. We're not going to be like, and then months later, he was still buying into this delusion. But at the start of the play, Leontes is greeting the king of Bohemia. And he's like, no, stay. Don't go back to Bohemia. Keep partying with me. Please stay. Please stay. And that's what starts this all. And then his wife, Hermione, jumps in and is like, oh, you should stay. You don't have that many important things to do in Bohemia. Like rule a country. Like rule the whole country. Nah. But, you know, she eventually convinces him. And now in the production I saw, there was a little more like, oh, they were kind of touching and like talking off to the side. And stuff like that. So there is this kind of like see you know like oh there must be something between them how come she could convince him but I couldn't. But in like a minute or like 5 minutes he goes from like please stay to well they're sleeping together. Don't you think? Random servant and random servant's like I don't think so. He's like no they are. You need to poison him. I don't I don't think so. I don't do that though and then he runs off with the king of bohemia who was he's told that his like best friend wants to murder him is like well Audi 5000 <laughs> <laughs> obviously it was interesting to me how quickly he went from like please stay you're my best buddy to being like well he has to die now so yeah yeah obviously that's that's
1: not you know the most realistic timeline what this brought up for me is thinking about individuals who are in abusive relationships because we do see that pattern where, you know, let's say that she texts, you know, a male coworker, like, hey, can you cover my shift? And the boyfriend is like, who are you texting? Why are you texting him? Obviously, you guys are sleeping together. And she's like, literally just needed my shift covered, dude. Mm-hmm. That kind of, I want to call it paranoia, but I don't just because generally clinically we, It would have it has to be pretty severe before we're going to name it paranoia, but it's 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 knocking at the door of paranoia. It's like on the porch. Anyone who's lived through a situation like that will tell you, like, there is no amount of convincing that is going to convince him that she's not cheating, you know, because anything can become that. And that's that is where we start to see, you know, that kind of truth of what is paranoia, where someone is picking up on these teeny tiny things in the universe and then ascribing meaning to them um, hopefully it's not like oh she said hi to my best friend and now I gotta poison everybody you know I think that is definitely where Shakespeare jumps off into drama land
0: as you were talking about kind of looking into those meaningless signs that we we wouldn't read too much into that they're looking to Leonte's actually like flat out does that. So Leontes says, "Is whispering nothing? Is leaning cheek to cheek? Is meeting noses? Kissing with inside lip? Stopping the career of laughing with a sigh, a note infallible of breaking honesty, horsing foot on foot, skulking in corners, wishing clocks more swift, hours, minutes, noon, midnight, and all eyes blind with the pin and web but theirs, theirs only, that would unseen be wicked? Is this nothing?" Why then, the world and all that's in it is nothing.
1: That is a wide range of things that he identifies. Because I'm like, kissing inside the lip, okay, yeah. Like,
0: that would... I think he meant, like, with an inside lip, like... Like, like rolling your lips in? Lip. Like, you know, like, when you kiss, I don't know, like, your uncle on the cheek or something. Yeah. You're not like I'm
1: thinking Well, I'm thinking about, like, when your son gives me a hug and I kiss the top of his head. Yeah.
0: Either way, but then at one point
1: he's like you know is is wishing that clocks would move faster nothing and i'm like dude why are we talking about clocks now
0: also when did all this happen feel like perhaps again wild speculation episode that he has been noticing these signs and then that was like the final like nope I'm right. I know I'm right. Yeah. You know, because like they haven't been doing all that in the past five minutes.
1: Yeah. So it may be that, you know, he was, he was noticing these things like during the King of Bohemia's visit. And then when the King of Bohemia agreed to stay when Hermione asked him, but didn't agree when Leontes asked him, that was his confirmation. That was like, oh, now I'm putting all the pieces together. Which, you know, I could see. I think what differentiates, you know, this kind of thing and that kind of, like, suspicion of cheating from many other types of, like, paranoid thought processes is that thinking that your partner is cheating a lot of times is based in, you know, a lack of trust, and insecurity in the relationship, you know, that kind of thing. Because if you are secure in your marriage and your spouse, you know, ask someone what time it is, you generally don't (laughs) fly off the handle that they're cheating. Many other lines of paranoid thought process are not necessarily based in that same lack of trust or insecurity. So I think that's one of the big differences.
0: One question I had kind of as we were going through this is like, well, obviously the timeline sped up, like very few people are like, Flip switch, poison everyone. If almost the steps are there. I agree with you
1: there. I think I think you're right. I think the the steps are there just sped up. So if you think about it, what if Leontes was correct that they were cheating and he might have had that same kind of thought process of that seemed weird. you know, they they seem to be spending a lot of time together. They seem, you know, to kind of be giggling a little bit more. It's like, oh, she's just having a good time, and it's like, okay, nope, now there's more. Mm-hmm. Now there's a little bit more. Nope, this is what's going on, okay. There's the incontrovertible proof, and that's that you know hindsight is twenty twenty kind of things where generally, if you find out something, even if you necessarily didn't notice the signs at the time, you might look back and say, "Oh, is that why x y z thing happened?" Those steps are there, but yes, very, very sped up to go from you know please." St- Extend your trip to now. I need to poison everyone because obviously you're sleeping with my wife,
0: yeah, absolutely. And kind of to touch on a bit of history that came to mind as we were talking of basically everything he describes, I think, and even kind of her, like, oh, please stay, he wants you to stay, you know, like you're welcome, you know, we can work this out for you to stay longer. From what I understand, that was probably what was expected of her as a queen, welcoming a king. Maybe not necessarily the convincing him to stay, but I think that kind of came from Leontes being like, no, stay a little longer. We'll have a great time. That she was like, oh, the king wants you to stay. You should stay. Like, we love having you here. That a lot of the like, you know, paying attention to the guest, even the cheek to cheek, even the kisses, like they were one, obviously very close, you know, all of them. But there were different expectations for like court visits.
1: I do think that's important, you know, especially if we're looking at Leontes' behavior and kind of how much of what he's picking up on is reality-based versus his own paranoid lens, essentially, for lack of a better word. And it is important to understand, you know, what is expected cultural behavior Mm -hmm. because you know kind of back to you know, there are certain cultures that greet each other by you know kind of pressing their cheeks and giving a kiss on each cheek and so in a culture like that to say you know is cheek to cheek nothing it's like kind of yeah it's very different culturally because there are people you know that I've I've worked with you know over time that have said you know oh in certain countries it's not unusual for two people who are friends to hold hands in a non-romantic way and that's something that's not usual here and so we would ascribe different meaning to that behavior culturally
0: so then from this kind of first you know moment of paranoia we have you know him telling the servant like and you should poison the king of bohemia and the servant's like hey king of bohemia i'm not gonna poison you but can i like come with you though So I don't get killed. Then we have him, you know, accusing Hermione. Mm -hmm. And with a king accusing his wife of that was to accuse her of treason. So she would be imprisoned.
1: I think that's also something that's important to note in all of this is that these are not just two normal people who are just kind of being mean or whatever. Like this big stakes.
0: Yeah, this is high stakes. And I think for everybody. Um, there's a couple things I found interesting about that scene. First, he accuses her of the baby that she's about to have being the king of Bohemias. She's like, wait a minute. Of course he's not. But why do you seem to not believe that? Yeah. So he says, you, my lords, look on her, mark her well, be but about to say she's a goodly lady and the justice of your hearts will there to add tis pity. She's not honest, honorable praise her. But for this, her without door form, which on my faith deserves high speech and straight the shrug, the hum or haw, those petty brands that Culminy doth use, oh, I am out. That mercy does for Culminy will see her virtue itself, these shrugs, these hums and haws. When you have said she's goodly, come between, ere you can say she's honest, but be it known, from him that has most cause to grieve it, should be she is an adulteress."
1: Hold on. So all of this is saying like, you think she's a great woman, but she's actually sleeping around.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think it is interesting though. Like I I didn't read it the best, but I also feel like it's a little bit jumpy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think that can be read as, you know, him being very defensive because he has it in his head that she's cheating and that therefore, you know, is a horrible, terrible, and awful person. And everyone is like, no, she's great. And he's like, yeah, you think that because you don't know the truth. Any of us, you know, if there's something that we firmly believe to be the truth and someone challenges us on it, we're going to get defensive.
0: So she's like, you're going to regret this. Yeah, she's
1: like, the truth will out and you're going to be salty.
0: But, you know, he's like, "Ah." away with her to prison, all that stuff. And then she goes, there's some ill planet reigns. I must be patient till the heavens look with an aspect more favorable. What's interesting is that she she denies it a little bit, but she doesn't, like, keep fighting him. Like, she reaches a point where she's like, this is not worth it. That when when you're faced with someone and you realize, like, they have fully bought into this delusion. And nothing I say is going to, like, snap them out of it. Is it best to just be like, "K bye. The
1: field is actually pretty divided on kind of, do you lean into the delusion or do you challenge it? And there's merit on both sides. You know, one side says you challenge the delusion because we are not doing anyone a service by enabling them to live in a different reality, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. The other side is that essentially, if you kind of start from their premise and, you know, don't challenge the delusion, that you're going to build more rapport and have a better chance of, getting them to find a way to challenge the delusion there does come a point where kind of the people around them you know if someone will not let go of a particular belief or something like that that yeah creating some distance makes sense
0: she challenged it she never said like yeah i did it but and i can see where from a therapy perspective like saying like no you didn't like isn't gonna work right
1: yeah yeah i'm coming at this from a therapy perspective not a you know my spouse is accusing me of cheating when i'm not perspective but I th- she disengages I think that makes sense and I think in general in life we need to you know kind of pick our battles and I think that response makes a lot of sense that you know at first she tries to defend herself and defend her position and say no I'm not cheating on you and then she does come to a point where she's like obviously I'm not gonna win this so I'm a step back and just let you do your thing
0: that to me felt like a good response
1: That's a response that makes sense, you know, to disengage. And that's probably one that I would have, you know, if Hermione was my client, you know, I would have said, okay, you know, it sounds like, you know, that you've tried directly challenging. And, you know, I'm wondering
0: if stepping back might make more sense. So the queen gives birth while in prison to a daughter and the king's pretty much like take her out in the woods and leave her.
1: Because obviously she's the king of Bohemia.
0: Yeah. He had written to the Oracle Delphi. The message comes back from the Oracle of Delphi. But, you know, he, they open the letter from the Oracle of Delphi, who basically, like, it literally starts, Hermione is chaste. <laughs> Poloxone blameless, which is the king of Bohemia. The servant who is supposed to poison him, a true subject. Uh, Leontes is a jealous tyrant, his innocent babe, truly begotten, and the king shall live without an heir, if that which is lost be not found. So, basically, she was saying, you won't have an heir. So Leontes is like, well, clearly that's wrong because I have an heir. Mm-hmm. And then they come in and are like, hey, your son died. And he's like, oh my God, I don't have an heir. Oh my God, she was right. And like Hermione passes out in the middle of that. And they say she died. Did she die? Did she return as a magical statue? Who knows? Who can say? But like, he didn't want to believe the oracle at first. But then once what the oracle predicted came true, he was like, oh no.
1: If she's right about this, the heir, what else is she right about? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think this is also a situation where kind of the the steps are there, but the timeline is sped up. If someone is willing to incorporate contradictory evidence into their belief system, they can change their belief. Generally, most people will do this all the time. We we posit a theory and then we gather evidence and confirm that or don't Mm -hmm. or disconfirm it. And... The problem is that it's really difficult to do that with delusions because you you can't. We do not have video footage of her from, you know, day one to now. We cannot prove that she didn't. And so it's hard to, you know, say that he would snap out of that with contradictory evidence. Now, the idea that like, oh, if the Oracle was right about this, what else was she right about? It is kind of interesting that he puts so much more stock into the Oracle's opinion than everyone else.
0: Thinking back to kind of the purpose of the Oracle of Delphi in mythology, like, meh. I'd probably trust her, too. I mean, yes, I would, too. (laughs) Although she was very rudely that forward. Usually predictions are a little more riddly. It was just interesting to me, because this all happened in two acts of the play. Yeah. The whole rest of the play needs to happen. Right. Like, it's almost a different different play. play. It kind of piqued my interest. Like, this seems like, you know, something that, not that fast, but could happen. Yeah. Generally,
1: when people have that, you know, like, deep level of jealousy bordering on paranoia about their partner cheating for the most part no amount of contradictory evidence is going to dissuade them from that belief and so that is interesting in that he does even like come out from under it essentially and even that it's the oracle that does it what's kind of interesting there is that if we think that someone has something to gain by lying to us we're like more inclined to believe that they're lying so essentially like you know obviously like Hermione's trying to save her life and save her marriage and so of course you know she has reason to say no I wasn't sleeping with him and you know but then like we have this outside source who doesn't have any skin in the game saying it and so that carries more weight. It's still just kind of weird, though, that he's been, like, so on this train that obviously every flick of an eyelash means that Hermione's cheating. And then as soon as
0: the Oracle is like, nah, man, he's like, oh, you're right, though. With that, though, like, one, he does doubt it for a minute. And then she's, you know, right in her prediction. But I also wonder if kind of the grief... Oh, yeah. almost shocked him back out of it
1: you know, i think there could be some merit to that the 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 guilt of losing whether he had anything to do with it or not that is something's like oh like they died before we could make amends yeah i think that definitely could have you know had some sway in kind of pulling him out of this i don't what still wouldn't expect it to happen that quickly but yeah that's possible
0: and like i i do believe he truly loved his son and believed his son to be legitimate Mm -hmm. you know so i think that deep of a loss he's gone and i got rid of my only other child
1: it does seem to be like a kind of a sudden moment of clarity and you know sometimes we do have you know those moments of you know clarity and things like that so it's possible i wouldn't i wouldn't expect that much of a jump from that entrenched of a you know belief system to not but
0: But also, what are the chances of an oracle telling you something, your son dying, and then your wife dying? I mean, that's true. Thank you for listening to Ripe Good Scholar. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to go to ripegoodscholar.com slash EP35 for even more information on Delusions and The Winter's Tale. The show notes for every episode are filled with additional resources and facts that can help you further explore this topic. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review. It helps others find our podcast so our community of scholars can grow. Also, make sure you are on our mailing list to receive a free digital download and be kept up to date on everything going on over at Ripe Good Scholar. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Ripe Good Scholar to keep the Shakespeare fun going all day, every day. That's all for now. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.
2: Thank you for listening to Ripe Good Scholar. As always, the deepest dives and best discussions are happening after the show at ripegoodscholar.com. Join us over there to lend your perspective and engage with fellow scholars. We would love to hear from you. That's all for today. And remember, our court shall be a little academe, still and contemplative in living art.